battlefield. He returned home victorious with a concubine, Cassandra, seized as a spoil of war. His wife Clytemnestra, meanwhile, had taken her own lover. Agamemnon was treacherously slain at a banquet in his honor. We're all going to die. It's natural to harbor hopes of an ending that's epic or tragic, yet while the mask of Agamemnon shines brightly, it's an illusion. The graves at Mycenae were subsequently shown to have been constructed 300 years earlier than the conjectured date of the Trojan War. The gold mask is fine enough that it may be the likeness of a nobleman or a king, but there's no evidence that it represents the historical Agamemnon. There's even strong suspicion that Schliemann salted the gravesite with the mask to burnish his reputation. Various other accounts deconstruct the death scene. The commentator Pindar wrote that Agamemnon was in his bath and was slain by his wife after she tossed a blanket over him to prevent any resistance. So it is with our own deaths. Few of us will meet an end that is quick and larger than life, like James Dean, who died in a head-on collision at age 24, or Krista McAuliffe, the schoolteacher who died when the space shuttle Challenger exploded 73 seconds after launch. Our great fear is that our bodies will painfully wear out and fail us, or our brains will slowly unravel. Unfortunately, life rarely mimics art. If life is like a movie, it doesn't end with a climactic scene. More often, the celluloid gets grainy and frayed, and the actors forget their lines. If life is like a concert, it doesn't end in a crescendo. More often, the instruments go out of tune, the musicians wander off, and the music peters out. To start this exploration of endings, we must acknowledge and move beyond the obstacle of our own demise. It seems so unfair. All of our dreams and aspirations will be truncated, perhaps by a wayward bus at age 40, or maybe by a rogue tumor at age 80. Human achievement is an occasionally noble but ultimately futile effort in the face of an inevitable outcome. The only uncertainty, except in the case of suicide, is the manner of our departure. The Art of Death Facing the unthinkable, what Rabelais called the vast perhaps, has caused humans many sleepless nights, but it has also spurred some of their greatest creativity. From Lear's lament over his dead daughter Cordelia to Thomas Pynchon's epic ruminations in Gravity's Rainbow, death has exercised the minds and imaginations of writers. It swirls like the pumpernickel in marble rye through much of the best fiction, poetry, and theater of the past century, sometimes symbolic and metaphorical, sometimes cool and ironic, sometimes intense and confessional. Literature often employs death as a vehicle to comment and reflect on life and the nature of existence. Thornton Wilder's play Our Town uses the evanescence of life to gently remind us of the daily wonders that surround us. In Henry Thoreau's Walden, a similar perspective derives from communing with nature. Leo Tolstoy's protagonist Ivan Ilyich faces an incurable illness and comes to terms with his predicament by asking for help. In the novels of Franz Kafka and D.H. Lawrence and the plays of Eugene O'Neill and Tennessee Williams, 
the concern with mortality is almost obsessive. Poetry goes even further, stripping the subject matter down to its raw essence. The acute sensibility of Sylvia Plath and Anne Sexton is undoubtedly heightened by our knowledge that they took their own lives. Mortality is both a truism and a taboo. Western countries cultivate a careful posture of denial about actual death, preferring the stylized or archetypal representations in the mass media. Yet for most of human history and in poor countries to the present day, Life and death have been seen as natural processes, part of a continuum. Death was not held at any distance. It was vital and real. Lest anyone forget, there were constant reminders. Victorious generals in Imperial Rome were accompanied in victory parades by slaves who intoned, Remember you are mortal.